If you've got a busy schedule, it can be hard to get all your nutrients on the go, which is why I have been so excited to discover Organifi. Organifi makes it easy to fill your life with more nutrition using delicious superfood blends. Just add a scoop to a glass of water or your favorite beverage to energize and nourish your day with carefully selected vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. In the morning, I like Organifi green juice. It has 11 different superfoods including ashwagandha to help reduce stress and support healthy cortisol levels. In the afternoon, instead of reaching for caffeine or a sugary snack, I grab the Organifi Red Juice, a delicious superfood punch that increases energy without the caffeine and only two grams of sugar. And my favorite is the Organifi Gold, which I mix with warm almond milk right before bed. It has turmeric and it's a delicious treat that also helps me sleep better. You can experience Organifi's high-quality superfoods for less than $3 a day. Go to www.organifi.com backslash best of you and use code best of you for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com backslash best of you and use code best of you for 20% off any item. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Allison, and I'm so glad you're here to discover what brings out the best of you. This podcast is all about breaking free from painful patterns, mending the past, and discovering our true selves in God. I can't wait to get started as we learn together how to become the best version of who we are with God's help. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Best of You podcast. We are on episode 21. It's hard to believe there's been 21 of these episodes. And I want to move into a new series I'm calling Boundaries and the Bible. And what I'm going to do over the next six weeks is take you on a deep dive into many of the topics that I touch on in my new book, The Best of You. So for those of you who've already purchased the book, we're going to go deeper. I'm going to start with some of the questions I'm seeing the most frequently from you related to the book. If you don't have the book yet, get a copy. You can get it on Audible. You can get an ebook. You can get it in hard copy because this is sort of our masterclass. We're going to work our way through it together on a deeper level with weekly takeaways, weekly home homework assignments for you to apply in your day-to-day life. I've been so grateful to hear from so many of you about what this book has meant to you. And it just strengthens my resolve to want to speak, especially to women. I know this applies to men too, but especially to women who have felt hidden, invisible, like you don't have a say in your own life. And maybe you even thought you were doing that, that that was the right thing to do. You thought you were dying to yourself when in fact it's possible you've been dying to God-given aspects of who you are. So over these next few weeks, I want to help you in this work of reclaiming beautiful parts of yourself that God made, that God loves, and that God wants to call into being, that God wants to bring into this world so that you can show up as the very best of who you are. So we're going to get granular in these next few weeks. 
So today we're going to start with what I call the yes side of no. And it's the key that I believe is at the root of being able to set boundaries with other people. And it's starting back at the internal work of reconnecting to yourself, learning to trust yourself. And that starts with learning to make a promise to yourself. It's very challenging to set healthy boundaries externally with other people if you haven't paused and checked in with yourself and taken inventory and figured out what is the promise I have to make to myself? What is the yes I need to say to a part of myself so that I have the courage to do this hard thing, this brave thing in my external life, in my external relationships, okay? So we're going to get into the external boundaries toward the end of this series, but we're going to start from the inside out because so many of us struggle with setting healthy boundaries externally because we keep the focus on the other person. But that's exactly what we've been taught to do is keep the focus on the other person. We look for permission. We want them to understand. We sort of want them to validate our boundaries. So if we haven't done this internal work first, recognizing that it starts within us, it's very challenging to set those healthy boundaries with other people. I call this starting with yes. It's the yes side of no. And it's what I mean by this word selfhood. Selfhood. This is the word from psychology that I unpack in chapter one of The Best of You. Selfhood is not being selfish. It's not saying it's all about me. I'm no longer going to listen to other people or help other people or love sacrificially. That's not what selfhood is. Selfhood is not selfishness, but it's also not being a doormat. It's also not saying, I don't matter. My voice doesn't have a say. I'll just shove myself aside. That is not the example that we see in the life of Jesus. We see in the life of Jesus an example of selfhood, of a life wholly surrendered to God and therefore equipped and empowered to make a difference, to make an impact in the lives of other people and in the world. We can't do that. It's very hard to empower others to live boldly, to live courageously, to make a difference in our kids' lives, in our friends' lives, in our community's lives, if we have not connected and are living bravely from our God-given selves. So for just a second, before we get into the brass tacks here, I want you to imagine being so rooted in your God-given self that you simply cannot tolerate a fool or a bully. You see their tricks a mile away, and you know how to stand firm in your power. With God's help, you are a force to be reckoned with. Your boundaries are no longer focused on other people. Instead, they flow from a strength you've built from deep within. This is what it looks like to start with yes. 
Starting with yes, this yes side of no focuses the work on strengthening your own soul, which includes healing areas of woundedness, healing messages you've digested that tell you it's wrong to focus on your own work of healing. It means establishing a genuine support network, people who genuinely want your best and want to see you putting your truest, deepest, God-given self into the world. It means clarifying your convictions, what matters to you, instead of spinning around like a top trying to please everybody else. It means learning the skills that you need when other people show up with their toxic behaviors. And we're going to get into the skills in this whole series. It means getting a larger vision of the life you want to move toward so that when it's time to say no, when the distractors and detractors come at you, you're ready because you know what you want out of this life God has given you. Okay, so part of this starts with the work of healing wounds from the past, because these wounds from the past that tell us we're not worth more, there's shame. They tell us what we want is bad. They tell us that it's too late. We're too old. There's too much water under that bridge, right? These are wounds from the past. And so we've got to deal with these. Sometimes we have to look back to look forward. But we've got to do two things at the same time. One is hold out the hope of the vision of what's yet to come, And the second is go back to those wounded areas in our lives that keep us stuck and keep us from moving toward that vision. And so the metaphor that I like to use, and I apologize to those of you who are not hikers, I'm a big hiker, so I use this over and over. It's like you need to see that vision of that peak that you're moving toward, that destination where there's a clear view. Because guess what? You see that vision and it keeps you moving forward. But then you're going to move into the hard stuff. Almost immediately, you're going to get into the valley. You're going to get into the forest where it's hard to see and you'll feel lost and you'll feel scared. And you're like, I can't do this. I want to go back. And so I want you to, with me, hold that vision of where you want to be, that clarity of being so anchored in yourself that no one can knock you off. No one can distract you from that larger vision you've created with God. And also, we're going to get into the weeds where it's going to be hard. And so we've got to learn to take that one brave step at a time. So where we're going to start today is with this question, can I really trust myself? There's a reason so many of us don't do the hard work of looking inward, of identifying that yes side of no, that yes we need to say to parts of ourselves that have been wounded. We've been taught not to trust ourselves. We've been taught to bypass our own desires, our own God-given instincts, the inner resources God has given us. 
Trust is this loaded word we toss around without really understanding what it means. In the dictionary, we look at trust simply defined as a belief in the reliability, truth, capability, or strength of someone or something. So we tend to believe that God is trustworthy. We know that God is reliable, truthful, capable, and strong, right? We rely on that to be true of God, and it is true of God. Some of us have encountered trustworthiness, trustworthy qualities in other people. We fundamentally see consistent patterns of reliability, honesty, capability, and strength over time. People have proven themselves to us, so we trust them. But so many of us have no clue what it means to trust ourselves. In fact, many of us have been taught not to trust ourselves. Many of you may have been taught to distrust yourself based on a specific Bible verse that says the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. This is from Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. But what most people fail to recognize is that the very same prophet who spoke of the tremendous deceitfulness in the human heart, and listen, we can deceive ourselves. And and we're still going to get there, I promise you, to all of you asking me for the episode on trauma and sin. It's coming right around the corner. It might be next week. It might be in two weeks. I'm not sure which, but it's coming. I'm working on it right now. But we can go astray. That's what sin means. Sin means miss the mark. We deceive ourselves. Shame enters in. We start covering our tracks and we start missing the mark even more. And we start setting off on a path that is away from our true selves and away from God. So Jeremiah wasn't wrong. Jeremiah was seeing in his day, these were religious folks in many ways that Jeremiah was prophesying about. He's like, man, you're deceiving yourselves. And the human heart is capable of that. And I don't want to suggest otherwise. I know it to be true in my own heart, and I know it to be true in this life. However, Jeremiah is the very same prophet who also prophesied the solution to this problem of our hearts that can lead us astray. And he talked about the coming of God's Spirit when he said, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. This is from Jeremiah 31, 33. So what is Jeremiah alluding to here? Well, he's prophesying about the coming of the Holy Spirit, that in the past, during his time, the law, the code that kept you on the path of being true to yourself and to God was external, right? It was the commandments. It was the code. But Jeremiah is saying something new is going to happen. God is going to write his law on our minds and write it in our hearts. This is through the power of God's spirit that had only been made available externally up till then is going to become available internally through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus talks about this in John chapter 14. He says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who will live in you. And this is an unbelievable reality because of the Spirit who lives inside of 
you, right? You have access. First of all, you have access to the goodness in you because when God created you initially, he called you good before shame entered in, before sin entered in. So we hold these two truths side by side, right? There's goodness there and there is the capacity to go our own way. Both of those things live side by side. But through the power of God's spirit, as we cultivate that space inside where we bring all of who we are together with all of who God is, we can stay true. We can become trustworthy. We can honor a sense of reliability, honesty, capability, and strength in our own souls. We can cultivate that trust in ourselves, not because we're perfect, not because we're not still able to deceive ourselves, but because we keep coming back to the work. We keep coming back to the work of going, dear God, I see, I see this part of me that is angry. I see this part of me that wants so desperately to go take this into my own hands. God, and you see that part of me too. And we begin to hold ourselves together in a spirit of truth. There is so much to unpack here. And I'm going to stop there because we're going to get more and more and deeper into the theology of that in weeks to come. But through the power of the Holy Spirit that comes to live inside of us, we can learn to trust ourselves. It's a process. It's a practice. It's not a once and done kind of thing, right? It's a practice of bringing all of who we are into the presence of who God is. So many home fragrance scents smell unnatural, super sweet, chemically, or maybe even like a part of the mall you can't wait to escape. And after learning that the candle industry contributes to an insurmountable amount of non-recyclable waste, carbon emissions, and toxicity in our air, I am so happy that Notes Candles exists. Notes Candles is on a mission to help eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option without giving up high-quality fragrance that actually seems amazing. I have been loving burning the Santal and Atlas Cedar scents. It's woodsy, calming, and smells so good. I can't get enough. I love it. And they have other amazing one-of-a-kind fragrances like oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, and pistachio and rose water. Every single one of them is exceptional. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high-quality home fragrance by making the switch to Notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notecandles.com slash bestofyou. Right now, Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy a Notes starter kit using code bestofyou. Just use code bestofyou when placing your order. That's code bestofyou at notescandle.com slash bestofyou. Now, here's the thing. This idea in Jeremiah, this idea from John 14 of the Spirit coming to live internally inside of us, giving an internal resource access to the best of who we are. This is this is what I call the best of you, right? The best of you is you bringing all of who you are, including the parts of you that are struggling or wanting to go your own way into connection with the Spirit of God who lives inside of you. This idea is underscored by an idea in psychology related to what we call the locus of control. 
Now, what's a locus of control? When you have an internal locus of control, a locus is simply a place or a position or a posture. It's a positioning of where we get our sense of control. Okay, so your locus of control is, do you tend to look internally to find that place, that grounding, that leadership, that posture of what am I going to do in this situation? Which direction do I need to take? What will bring me toward life? What will bring out the best of me? Or what do I need to say no to? What do I need to walk away from? Where is that locus? Is that locus coming from inside of you? Or do you place that locus externally in other people. And so we can lean toward an internal locus of control where we tend to look to resources within ourselves, including God's spirit, to affect change in our lives, to make decisions, to create impact, right? You look to a sense inside of yourself to take charge of each brave step that you take. When you lean toward an external locus of control, you tend to view what happens to you as outside of your control. You tend to look to external resources such as circumstances, fate, or other people, right? You outsource your decision-making. You outsource your convictions even. You look around at everybody around you, gauge the room, and make your decisions based on what everybody else outside of you thinks. And this leaves you at the mercy of other people. Now, an internal locus of control, psychology research shows, tends to relate to higher levels of confidence and improved mental health, while an external locus of control tends to correlate with increased feelings of anxiety and depression. You feel like you don't have control over your own life. You're at the mercy of everyone around you, and it leaves you feeling trapped. It leaves you feeling kind of like a victim. It leaves you feeling helpless. And we know that helplessness correlates strongly with feelings of depression. We want to feel a sense of agency. And again, agency is one of these psychology words that just simply means I have some power to create change in my own life. Some psychologists believe that an internal locus of control is one of the most important factors in healthy decision-making and healthy coping. And it's not that you don't also need trustworthy people in your life, right? You need healthy community around you. We don't want to do this alone. So I'm not saying throw out the baby with the bathwater here. But what I am saying, in order to engage your external resources in helpful, healthy ways, you do have to be able to learn to rely on your inner resources, including your emotional cues, the cues your body is giving you, your own critical thinking, your own wisdom, right? Your wisdom that comes from that place inside of you where you bring all of who you are into relationship with all of who God is through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how you guide your actions. Ultimately, you are taking the wheel of your own 
life. And this is why any system that takes agency away from people, right, that keeps people oppressed, marginalized from having the power to take control, to take charge of their own lives to some degree, whether it's a government, a religious institution, or a family, is so destructive. We do need a sense of agency. So here's the thing. Women are taught to look outside of themselves for solutions. And I would argue this is particularly true in faith communities. But we can't focus only on external resources. We have to learn to focus on parts of ourselves that have important cues to help us make wise decisions. All right, we're going to move into the boundary discussion, but I want to be clear here. Trusting yourself is simply believing in your own capacity to be reliable, true, capable, discerning, and strong. You build trust with yourself as you face areas of your wounding honestly with compassion, right? You want to know where some of your wounding is so that you can keep an eye on it, so that you can move toward healing. As you become aware of your own needs, what they are, and how to meet them, as you recognize and respond to cues from your emotions and your body, as you notice and heed red flags in your relationships, and as you identify and honor your own values, your intuition, your instincts, and your convictions. This is a process for so many of us because we've never thought about these things, right? Trusting yourself is not saying, well, I'm just going to do me. I don't care what anybody else thinks. It's not acting out of your emotions recklessly. It's not ignoring your own blind spots. We all have blind spots. We can deceive ourselves. We do need healthy people in our lives to help keep us on track. It's not never seeking help or advice. And it's not assuming that just because you have a thought, it's always right. That's not what I mean here. Trusting yourself is a process of bringing all of who you are into relationship with all of who God is. And it's learning how to identify how to bring healthy people into your life to help you stay on track. This is learning this yes side of no. This is learning to focus on the work of trusting yourself before you even get to the work of implementing these boundaries that you need to set. So as we conclude today, I want to walk you through a process of learning to build trust with yourself. And it starts internally, okay? And this is really important. So I want you to hear me out on this. I want you to think about a promise you'd like to make to a part of yourself. And I'm going to get more into what I mean by this part stuff. It's really from my first book, Boundaries for Your Soul. But there are different parts of you, right? And a part of you has been conditioned to only focus on other people, right? But there's a part of you also that's sick of it, that's hurting, that wants your attention, that wants you to take care of you, And so I want you to take a moment, you might even close your eyes while you're listening, and pay attention to that part of you that is dying for your attention, that needs something from you, okay? We want to build trust with that part of you. And, you know, we're not going to magically all of a sudden heal overnight. This is a brave step. This is one step you can take. But maybe there's a part of you that's been hurt by somebody. What does that part of you need? Now, again, this isn't so much yet about the other person. I want to be clear here. 
maybe that part of you simply needs you to validate it. You know what? That hurt. And you know what? I'm going to write that down. I'm going to journal about that. That could be a promise you make to yourself. Or I'm going to make a note. I'm going to create an image or in my journal, create a symbol to remind myself and remind that part of me. I saw that. I saw that you were mistreated. And you know what? The promise I'm going to make to myself today is I'm going to take a pause. I might not say anything yet to the person because I don't want to speak out of anger. Other parts of me don't want me to speak out of anger. Other parts of me don't want to do anything rash. But I see you. I see you, that part of me that's hurting. And I honor you. And I'm going to promise you that I'm going to circle back. I'm going to go talk to some trusted advisors. I'm going to get some wisdom. But what I'm really doing here is promising this part of myself that I'm going to make a change. I'm going to figure it out. I don't know yet what to do, right? I don't know yet how to get out of this situation and this relationship. But I see you and I'm making a note of it. I'm putting it in my journal or I'm drawing an image, a picture, sometimes visualizing, creating a symbol, putting something in your room, right? To say, look, I know this happened and I'm not going to let it happen again, but I don't even know yet, right, how to handle it, but I'm making a promise that I'm going to learn, right? So this is what I mean by one tiny brave step. You don't have to solve the whole problem, but you are honoring that hurt, for this week. I'm going to come back to you next week, okay? We're going to come back to the podcast next week, and I'm going to follow up with you. Now, that might be an emotional hurt to make a promise to yourself, I won't go down that road again. And I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but I've marked the spot. I've written it down. I've talked to God about it. I've said, God, that hurt me. And I've been hurt one too many times in that place. And I don't know exactly how to proceed, but I do know that I'm marking the spot right now that I'm not going to let that happen again. Another kind of promise you can make to yourself has to do with your physical health. For those of you who are exhausted, burnt out, running on empty, spinning around like a top trying to please everybody else, I want you to pause for a second and notice your body. Where are you exhausted? Where are you not taking care of your physical health? Where are you not pausing to take a walk, to do something life-giving, such as listening to music or doing something you love or drinking water? It could be that simple. Eating something that feels nourishing and good to your body. You're so busy taking care of everybody around you. You're not taking that moment to nourish your own body. What's a promise you could make to that beautiful body God gave you that is sustaining you today? Here's a promise. Here's a promise. I'm going to give you good things today. It might be as simple as I'm going to give you an apple every day, you know? I'm not kidding. I've done that before. I'm going to give you an apple and a banana every day. I can't promise that by the end of the day, when I'm tired, I'm not going to also give you ice cream, but I'm going to really try hard to give you something nourishing each morning. I'm going to promise you, body, that I'm going to take you on a walk at least for a few minutes. I don't care how busy my day is. I'm going to walk away and I'm going to walk down the block 
and we're going to go on a walk and we're going to listen to my favorite song because that brings me life. And I'm going to do that every day this week. Just do it for every day this week. So that's a promise you could make to your body. So we've got a promise you've made emotionally to maybe a hurting part of you that every day you're going to journal. You're going to let that part of you be seen in your journal. You're going to talk to God about that hurt. You're going to give yourself maybe 20 minutes, maybe put a time limit on it, 20 minutes every day to honor that hurt, not to let it fester, but to learn about what that part of you needs every day for a week, 20 minutes. You don't have to give it the whole day, right? But you're going to make an appointment with that hurting part of you. Maybe you're making a promise to your body. Maybe you combine the two, right? Maybe you say, I'm going to take a walk for 20 minutes and listen to what that hurting part of me is feeling like and cry that part of me out to God. This is a promise you're making to yourself to build trust with yourself. This is not yet about going to other people, right? About taking action, We're going to get into that. We're going to move right into that, I promise, next week, the next few weeks. Right now, this is inside of you. What is a promise you need to make to yourself this week? And how can you honor that in a small way that takes no more than 20 minutes every day this week? Here are some more examples. Maybe you make a promise to yourself, I'm not going to respond to those texts for a week. That can be really hard to do, but that might be one way. Again, you're not doing anything externally, but you're proving to a part of you, you know what? I hear you that that's hurting you. Or maybe I'm going to make a promise to mute that person on social media. They don't have to know, but I need that out of my airwaves for a week. Or maybe I'm going to promise myself that if that person reaches out to me, I'll say, I'll get back to you. And then give yourself a whole week to notice what happens inside of you that you didn't just jump right into doing what that other person wanted, but that you honored this part of you that needs some time with you and with God to get discerning, okay? This is the work of connecting to the best of who you are deep inside, that wise place at your core where God's Spirit lives and helps you discern wise steps. It starts inside of you. And a lot of times it starts, if you'll notice, most of these examples are inhibiting a response to please somebody else. A lot of times these first promises start saying, I'm just going to go quiet for a minute to get curious about what's going on inside of me. What is my body need? What do my emotions need? What does this hurting part of me need? Give yourself some time each day to spend time with your body, with your emotions, so that you can decide how you want to proceed. This is that yes side of no, right? You're learning to say yes to the part of you that's hurting, to the part of you that's exhausted, to the part of you that needs you to show up for it. 
Okay, so what is this one promise you're going to make to yourself this week? Write it down, make a note of it, and each morning, go back to that and notice. What do you notice? What do you feel? What does that part of you need? What do you want to say yes to to support that part of you? What feels good and healthy and nourishing to that part of you? And then next week, join me and we'll move into how to build trust with yourselves, but learning to respect ourselves, right? Learning to respect and honor ourselves in our relationships with other people. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. I'm so glad you're here and I can't wait to go deeper and deeper and deeper into this work of discovering the best of who you are and this internal place inside where you can lead yourself into wise decisions and into the life God has for you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Best of You. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources and links mentioned in the show. You can find those on my website at drallisoncook.com. That's Allison with one L, cook.com. Before you forget, I hope you'll follow the show now so that you don't miss an episode. And I'd love it if you'd go ahead and leave a review. It helps so much to get the word out. I look forward to seeing you back here next Thursday. And remember, as you become the best of who you are, You honor God, you heal others, and you stay true to your God-given self.